0: Hello and welcome to the All-Purpose NFL Podcast with your hosts, A.P. and Willie Trey Wheeler the third, which is just kind of funny to say. But we're just going to go ahead and get into it because we had an amazing, amazing weekend of football. So the divisional round was absolutely one of the best weekends in football we've had almost all season. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it and go into the first game of the weekend, the Titans versus the Bengals. I can honestly say I called the Bengals, but after nine sacks, um, I didn't actually expect the Bengals to be able to pull it off. I will say that I honestly believe that the Titans did an amazing job defensively because they did what you didn't actually expect them to do they shut down jamar chase and then forced them to figure some other way to beat them and they were shutting down joe mixon for the most part he had some success on a few runs but for the most part he was bottled up at the end of the day the final score was 16 to 19 It wasn't as if it was this high-scoring affair that went back and forth. They did an excellent job of shutting down that high-powered offense that not three weeks ago Mm -hmm. put up, like, what, 42 on the Chiefs? So kudos to the defense, and they were all over Burrow. Like, you sacked them nine times. The defense did their job. Um, the offense kind of did their job there was just um, a problem with the the quarterback who I feel like and Willie I'm going to hand it over to you after I say this I feel like this game was a referendum on Ryan Tannehill and I say that because it showed you the highs of Ryan Tannehill and the absolute lows of Ryan Tannehill. You don't generally get both of them in the same game. On top of that, Derrick Henry wasn't really there to alleviate some of those problems, but you had the three interceptions, two of which weren't necessarily on him. Willie, you've said this on multiple occasions. You put the ball in the air, three things can happen, and two of them are not good. And in both of those situations, things that weren't good happened. However, in that same token, he drove it down the field multiple times. That pass to A.J. Brown was a thing of beauty that I thought that it was an incomplete pass until I saw A.J. come up with it. And then watching the replay and how it was perfectly placed into the cup of his arm Elbow and hand, it was a phenomenal play. It's just like like I said, you got the absolute highs and the absolute lows of what Ryan Tannehill can do. And I know a couple of Titans fans, and all of the ones on my uh social media were very, very upset and wanted to get rid of him. And I'm like, I understand why you're upset, but this is what comes with the quarterback that you have. So, Willie, what were your thoughts on that first divisional game? Um, Good game.
1: Good game, in my opinion, probably should not have been close as it was. As you know, I also picked the Bengals. Joe Burrow getting sacked eight times. As you know, also, I've said numerous times, five-man protection is not the way to go. Defensive linemen have gotten too good. For five or four on five blocking, it just does not work. Overall, in my opinion, I think it's the quick way to get your quarterback hurt very quickly. What I also saw was the Titans overthought it, partially. As I've told you personally off the air, what Titan fans don't understand is that Mike Vrabel has did a masterful job of hiding who Tannehill actually was. He hid him for two years, and that his third year finally came out. But he hid who he was behind this off the strength of Derrick Henry. And it came apparent. On Sunday, for the world to see, and I actually feel bad for Ron Tannehill, for the world, the entire world saw who he really is. He's not somebody you want to win the football game. I'll give you an example. Playoff Eli and regular season Eli are two different people. Playoff Tannehill, regular season Tannehill are two different people. You cannot judge them the same. They do not look the same. They do not play the same. The results are not the same. This is the same Titans team that beat the brakes off of the Rams on Sunday night football. The same Titans team that held Pat Mahomes to three points in the regular season. And beat the Bills. He beat the Bills. I I count the Bills, but I don't count the Bills because – Josh Allen fumbled the ball on the, like, two-yard line, fumbled the snap. Eh, but still, a dub's a dub. You beat the Bills. You beat those teams. But playoff Tannehill is totally different from regular season Tannehill. And unfortunately, Titan fans saw that. But they were blinded by the greatness of Derrick Henry in the playoffs. But it was very apparent in the AFC title game against the Chiefs where when it came time for Tannehill to deliver the football in the playoffs, where it's do or die, he cannot be relied upon.
0: Well, I will say that that is something that we've talked about on a number of occasions. And it's something that I have no problem admitting to. I was uh, in a Twitter space recently and I said it. Ryan Tannehill is an elite level game manager. And one of the things I hate is game manager sounds so bad, but it's not. Like you do your job and you do your job effectively in most situations. The problem is we can't rely on you to go and win the game. When the chips are down, we can't rely on you to do that. But the thing about Ryan Tannehill is he is better than most at showcasing the ability to win the game is just the fact that it has not come through when it mattered. Like I said, that pass to AJ was amazing. That was an elite level pass. But then in that same token, you are the reason that your team lost. You believe that you can put the game in his hands you just never want to put the game in his hands because for the possibility of it going well, there is also the very, very high likelihood that it will go the other way. Oh, I do have to
1: disagree. The last interception is his fault. The reason why I'm saying this is because I've literally seen this man, this team, A.J. Brown, a A.J. Brown, the 49ers to death. I'm sorry, on the last drive of potentially your season, there's no way in the world a tight end or a third string wide receiver should see the football. I don't care if Julio's double covered. We've seen him catch on double coverage before, even though that was years ago. You have A.J. Brown, you have Julio. Those are the only two options you should be throwing the football to. I do not care. Who else got singer coverage? Those two should be the only people getting the ball, especially considering I've seen the Titans, A.J. Brown, the 49ers to death. They literally, A.J. Brown, their way to a victory. They also had help from another quarterback that probably shouldn't be in the playoffs either. But Hey, we'll get to that later.
0: You earlier said that they overthought it. I do believe they po- probably did. I can't remember why I was explaining this, but... Football is, at the end of the day, a game of trying to outsmart your opponent. You want to call plays that make someone think they can do one thing and then trick them into doing something else, both offensively and defensively. That is the reason why. Oh, I was explaining why the option play on fourth down, why you make that call. Is because in the end, you are trying to outsmart your opponent. And so when you run that play, it's like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to go with um, Derrick Henry. They have Derrick Henry. All the while, oh, we're going to keep it with Ryan Tannehill. And that play has worked countless times. I can't name the amount of touchdowns I've seen them get on that exact play. The problem with that play was Ryan Tannehill read it wrong and that option read ended up on a fourth down failure. They also outsmarted themselves.
1: Deontay Foreman was giving the Bengals the business, but you overthought it and kept thinking, we have to feed Henry. We have to feed Henry. We have to feed Henry to cover up this 900-pound gorilla named not Ryan Tannehill over here. Deontay Foreman was... He was doing better than Henry at the time. That's just what it was. It was his game to be had. And you took it away from him.
0: you overthinking. True. But that, like, that is one of the things that ends up happening with football coaches all the time. Because like I said, you are actively working to try and figure out a way to outsmart the opposing coordinator. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, and so in the, in the situation of you have, you want to AJ Brown on the desk, you you're like, Ooh, this tight end looks like he might be open. He was not, and it didn't go well, but also you have to question the play call. Like, why are you not running the ball? Just, just, just run the ball stop trying to make this more complicated than it is, just run the ball. But one of the things that you have said on multiple occasions and is very true, Mike Vrabel does not trust Ryan Tannehill to win him a game. If he has to rely on him, he will. But generally he does not trust him to do it. I feel like someone got in his ear and said, you can trust him. He can do it. And he he didn't. He didn't at all. And so it ended up being a 19 to 16 victory for the Bengals, who we've talked a lot about the Titans, but I do think we should take a moment to revel in the fact that the Titans had not won, not the Titans, the Bengals had not won a playoff game in 30 years. They went through the entirety of the Andy Dalton era without winning a playoff game. And Joe Burrow in his second year? Yeah, Joe Burrow in his second year has led this team to the AFC Championship game. That is a feat in and of itself. And I will say, I did not have faith in Joe Burrow. I think I was justified in my lack of faith of Joe Burrow. But... I believe he had the potential to have a decent level of success. I did not see Joe Burrow being who he is now. I will also say I called it when other folks said they need to go offensive line. I said they should have got Jamar Chase. They should have got Jamar Chase, and it's very evident why. They should have gotten Jamar Chase.
1: I was very wrong on that one. I, if you know, I, I will almost always try to get a, a left tackle. Before wide receiver, if I have needs at both positions, you you know my philosophy, Bill from the inside out in the trenches is where you win football games. And the kid got sacked eight times and still won the football game. So you got sacked nine times. Oh my oh my apologies. Nine times. You got sacked nine times and still won the football game. So I mean, kudos to him. I was wrong about Joe Burrow. You know how I felt about Joe Burrow. I definitely was wrong about that. Jamar Chase, I thought he was going to be a stud, but I did not expect him to have the impact that he did. This, this guy's going to be a problem for the next 10 years. I, I hope that the rest of the AFC North is ready because this duo isn't going anywhere.
0: No time soon. When I said that they should draft Jamar Chase, I wholeheartedly felt like you don't have many opportunities to give your quarterback their guy especially coming out of college and they were in a position to do that one of the biggest things being speculated right now is what's going to happen with Derek Carr and Devonta Adams their relationship is one where they're apparently best friends and so Devonta and Derek are like we kind of want to play together but Devonta might get franchise tagged Raiders aren't really sure what they want to do with Derek Carr. like they want to play together but it, it didn't work out given the opportunity you want to put two people that are that close that understand each other that well together it sucks because you know Joe Burrow has literally gotten his nameplate beaten off of him in a game but It all worked out in his favor. So as someone who is a fan of a team in the AFC North, I am not looking forward to the next 10 years of those two just tearing it up. And so that was the first game. We're going to get to the other Saturday game later on in the show. So now we're going to talk about the other games on Sunday. First off, Rams versus Bucks. Willie, what were your thoughts on that game?
1: The game went how I thought it was going to go initially. Um, I didn't think it was a good matchup for the Buccaneers. I did not. Their corners are suspect, as we both talked about previously off air. The Tristan Works injury was a big deal because you could easily say he's the best right tackle in the game. And that pass rush, you're missing an offensive lineman. It's not a good matchup. It just wasn't a good Cooper Cup Trying to guard him. Odell Beckham, it didn't go well. But just like with the Titans, if you turn over the football, you have problems. That's what the Rams did. They turned over the football. I think they have four fumbles lost. Yep. So you turn over the football, you got problems. And that's what led Tom Brady and his crew back into the game. You cannot turn over the football to the GOAT. When you have the goat down, keep them down. Uh, Atlanta already showed you what happens when you don't keep the goat down. Keep them down, and the, and also the goat showed you previously. Even though they were injured, the Legion of Boom did give up a ten-point lead in the fourth quarter. So, don't turn over the football. Keep the goat down when you have them down. But, like we talked about off air. That last drive, I don't understand the play call of leaving your corner—not corner, but your safety one-on-one with Cooper Cup on the inside. I don't understand that. That should that play should have been checked out of. I know Bruce Arians did say the linebacker one. of The linebackers then blitz Levante David. I think that's who it was. He didn't blitz as well to create additional pressure. But I'm not a big fan of blitzing heavy in that particular game situation. I hope that it's not cost your defensive coordinator, a job or a potential job offer. Hope that doesn't cost him, but I was not a big fan of that play call. And that, that play should have been checked out of point blank period. It should have been checked out of, but the Rams were the better team in week three. And I thought the Rams were the better team on Sunday,
0: the better team won. I agree. One thing I will say, um, Matthew Stafford came out and talked about that particular play. And the the route that Cooper Cup was told to run was a, quote, for the love of the game route. That route was supposed to be just, you know, you run up, you just go. And you're not getting the ball. So, this is just about you running and maybe making something else happen. Um, Odell and Van Jefferson will be coming underneath. We'll get the ball to them, run another play. And then when the defensive breakdown happened, because the idea was there was going to be so much pressure that Matt would not have been able to see um, Cooper Cup. So, on both the... Ram side and the Buccaneer side, neither of them thought Cooper Cup was going to be open or that he was going to be a factor in the actual play.
1: Yeah, I did hear about that. I mean, they the, cause they call it love for the game. I just, back in the day, I just heard it was called a clear out. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Cooper Cup was not supposed to get the ball. But in that situation, I'm still confused On on the defensive side of the football, why would you call a play to give your safety one-on-one with the best receiver in the NFL? I don't understand that logic. Whether you thought he was getting the ball or not, that safety should have never been in that position. That is a position of failure. You don't do that in any situation in the game. I don't. I don't agree with putting your safety one on one with the best receiver
0: in the NFL. I just don't get it. And I, again, I don't think that the the play call worked in the way that they thought it was going to work because I don't think that they the intent was for the safety to be one on one with Cooper Cup because it looked like Cooper went in front of someone who was supposed to get him. And then the safety was like, oh, no, you don't have – oh, let me try and get him. I don't know what the – it didn't look like that play overall went the way that it was supposed to, especially now, not with Bruce Arian saying Levante David didn't blitz, there was some confusion. Like, it was just a bad overall play. So I I understand your point of he shouldn't have been put in that position. I don't know if the intent was for him to be put in that position.
1: Well, if you're i am if you're calling that heavy of a blitz, somebody's gonna be one on one with the best receiver in the NFL. True. Sure. Somebody is, and I definitely don't want it to be a safety. Not saying the cover the corners could have done any better because we both know the secondary is a bit suspect. But I I, just, I I was at a loss. I was at a loss for the with the call. I was at a loss with the call.
0: Overall, like you said, it was a really good game. It was one of those things where it looked like it was all over for the books again when it came to the Rams and lo and behold, Tom Brady Magic had they come back and actually won that game, I would have thought that Tom Brady might actually be a dark magician, like from yu Gi like I just i don't I don't understand. like how do you make people fumble like this? Like Cooper Cup doesn't fumble the fumble above Matthew Stafford's head. Cam Akers had two very influential fumbles. It wasn't that he necessarily did anything wrong. Like, you should keep your hands on the ball, but it wasn't like he didn't have control in both of those situations. It was just fluke situations that got the ball out. And so... I really enjoyed the game. Um, I'm happy for the Rams. I'm very happy for Odell Beckham Jr. One of the things that I've heard a lot of in recent weeks, as far as OBJ goes, is that the people who thought that he couldn't play anymore and the fact that they tried to convince people that he couldn't play anymore. And I've always stood on the idea that Odell and Baker didn't work. It doesn't matter. I don't think it was a matter of Odell not being able to play anymore. That relationship using a popular current term was toxic. It just didn't work. It's not that OBJ is better or Baker is worse. Those two just like we see it a lot in basketball where you put two players on the same team, i.e. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like it should work, and it just doesn't. I feel like that's what happened with OBJ and Baker. And so the fact that he has not only gotten the monkey off his back of the people that were talking about him when he was in Cleveland, but the boat picture is now non-existent. We might still talk about it a little bit, but he has come into these playoffs and showcase just how good he is when he has a good quarterback and shown off. And I'm very happy for him because he's getting to win in the way that he has always been the person that expressed how much winning meant to him. His father did him a solid.
1: His father, liking that video, posting, I forgot if it was a post of him posting that video, that was his get out of jail free card. That's all gonna we'll be forgotten about if Odell makes it to the Super Bowl. Which his father did him a solid.
0: Which realistically, we talked about it when it happened. It was a very bad decision. Like it worked out, but that was a horrible decision when it happened. Okay, oh, yes. so
1: without question, it's morality wise, oh it's it's horrible. You shouldn't do that. You should never do that. But it worked out in the end. Yeah, And somebody's some going to remember time. this. Somebody's going to remember this, and they're going to go the exact same way. Somebody's going to remember this. They're going to do the same thing. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. It
0: might not even be five years from now. But somebody's going to remember this happened. For the Buccaneers, I wasn't surprised they lost. It was, like you said, it was a bad matchup. It was also, they were in a position where their team had just kind of fallen apart. One of the things I heard a lot of over the past week when it came to the Buccaneers was where everyone else was getting healthy at the end of the season, they were getting injured and it came back to bite them. I have no doubt that if Chris Godwin, Ronald Jones, Scotty Miller, if they had all the requisite pieces, I do believe that they could have come out of that game with a win, but they were too injured. And then there's the whole AB situation, which that is what it is. And so we are honestly in a position where the Buccaneers lost. There's questions about what Tom Brady is going to do. There's questions about where this team will go. My biggest thing is Ronald Jones is no longer on the team. That is Leonard Fournette's spot. And I don't care what anybody says. Lenny needs a new contract ASAP because he is your best running back. Y'all tried to make it work with Ronald Jones and y'all thought it was cute, but Ronald Jones was never going to be Leonard Fournette.
1: I will say this. There's an old saying. It says what goes around comes around. Uh, if you remember the Bucks road to the Super Bowl, you beat a de- debilitated Saints team. You beat a Packers team without David Bocciari. Then you played the Chiefs who was missing – almost all their offensive linemen. Interesting. And now you lost a game, partly because of you had injuries. Mm. What we'll goes around comes around.
0: So let's get into arguably one of the best games. It, it was the best game of this season, like hands down. One of the best games we've seen in years. That Chiefs versus Bills game was something to see. The idea that it went back and forth in the first half. At halftime, it was 14-all. Harrison Butker missed a field goal to make it 17-14. to 14. The Chiefs gave the Bills everything they had, and Josh Allen came back and gave the Chiefs everything he had. I am still not a Josh Allen fan, like you won't see me ripping Josh Allen. I might rep Joe Burrow because I like his swag, but Josh Allen just don't really do it for me. However, that man showed that he is in the conversation with Patrick Mahomes. There was a point where I was like, how dare you say Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in the same sentence? That is no longer the case. I am picking Patrick Mahomes based on his ability to stay cool in the moment to, as Andy Reid said, be the Grim Reaper when it gets grim. I am all for that. But where last year I scoffed at the idea that Josh Allen was in the conversation with Patrick Mahomes, he's in that conversation. And Anyone coming into the AFC is going to have two big problems moving forward, and that does not include Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, or Joe Burrow. The changing of the guard has happened in the AFC. Phillip Rivers is gone. Ben Roethlisberger is leaving. Payton's been gone for a while. This is, this is the kids' league now. None of those guys are over 20. I think Pat might be the oldest at 27. Watching that game, I was just in awe. I can tell you for sure that when Josh Allen threw that touchdown with 13 seconds left, I was like, "Whoop, game's over. Can't do anything about it. I actually saw a clip of a little boy who his family was let down really sad. And he was like, it's not zero shit. It's not zero shit. His brother was like, it's 13 seconds, it's over. No, it's not. It's not zeros yet. That little boy was right. I don't know how Patrick Mahomes showcased how wonderful he is, but it was Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Those four men knew what it took and did everything to ensure that victory. And then after they tied the game, taking it into overtime, there was no question to me whoever got the ball first was going to win that game. The Chiefs just so happened to be the ones that won it. So, what, what did you think about the game, Willie?
1: Third best game I've ever seen in my life. Third best sports contest I've ever seen in my life. Number one, as you know, 2006 Rose Bowl. Number two, UConn Syracuse, I think six overtime game. Number three was this one. This was a display of grit and will by both quarterbacks. Definitely some defensive miscues that I saw, like leaving the guy who was, who already had three touchdowns, one on one in the middle by himself. Okay. But one could actually make the case that Josh Allen's degree of difficulty is higher than Pat Mahomes boy because he's also part of the running game. Pat Mahomes, I know he can run, but he they're not literally running quarterback power for this guy. In fact, I would never call quarterback power for this guy. But the Bills literally run all the way through Josh Allen. There was at times the Chiefs ran the ball effectively. The Bills running the ball effectively was with Josh Allen, who also threw the ball. This we talked about offline how, oh man, the NFC, man, it's gonna be rough. You're gonna have to beat Brady and Rogers to get there. And like you just pointed out, good luck. To Ryan Tannehill, because the reason why I bring up Ryan Tannehill, because you just to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go through, like you said, Burrow, Lamar, when he gets healthy. You're going to have to go through Josh Allen. You're going to have to go through Pat Mahomes boy. Justin Herbert ain't no slouch. You got to go through. Oh, if if the Raiders ever find, you know, Derek Carr some help, you're going to have to go through them. Good luck in the AFC. Good luck. Blessings to you. If Aaron Rodgers wants to go to the Steelers, which I think, like we've talked about offline, would be the best fit, good luck. (laughs) Good luck.
0: I just want to tell you this stat from that game. In the last two minutes in overtime, Josh Allen was 5 of 7 for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes was 10 of 13 for 188 yards and two touchdowns. Those are full game stats. Jimmy G has not thrown a touchdown pass in these playoffs. Jimmy G averages 144
1: yards a game in his playoff career. He had two touchdowns and five interceptions. Let that sink in, fans. Pat Mahomes, boy. In the final two minutes of overtime, he threw for more yards than what Jimmy G's averages in his entire playoff career. Yep. I will say this. I still think Aaron Donald probably is pound for pound the best player in the world. No lower than two. But somebody just put themselves at three. And that's Josh Allen. Pat Mahomes was number one last year ranked by the players. Josh Allen probably put himself at three.
0: I would not be surprised if Josh Allen gets number one in this year's um, selection. The
1: only reason why I say no is because he lost.
0: Oh, no. Don't forget that the player's ten- the player selection is headed into next year.
1: True, but what also will put Pat at one coming into this season was how he played in the Super Bowl.
0: Yes, yes. So if Pat – makes it to the super bowl and does pat things again he will more likely than not win number one but i i would not be surprised if there were more people who were like i mean but look at what josh did in the same vein that you just said with a higher degree of difficulty
1: i know the boy better not be no lower than five Side note, he better not be no lower than five
0: yeah side note There's a bit of information that I saw earlier that I think is just phenomenal. So, the Jaguars only won three games this year. Do you know the implications of those three games that they won?
1: One of them is the reason why Josh Allen is at home right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it
1: is. One of them kept the Indianapolis Colts out the playoffs.
0: Yes. Yes, it did.
1: I don't remember the other one.
0: The Dolphins, and that kept the Dolphins out of the playoffs.
1: So, copy. If you got anything important to play for, don't play the Jaguars. Copy.
0: <laughs> that, that particular stat, like thinking about the fact that they won, the Bills lost on the road, and that one loss is what did it to them. It's just amazing. And so, there were some suspect calls. On the defensive side of the ball, but I also don't think that it's fair to look at that game as a failure of defense as much as you have at this point, the two best quarterbacks in the NFL today. At some point, we have to accept the fact that they are better than whatever defense you are going to call. At the end of the day, the Bills had the best defense, statistically, the entire year. They shut down the Patriots last week. Not saying that that is like some major feat because we understand that Mac Jones is somewhat limited, but we saw the interception by Micah Hyde last week where this man dove and grabbed a ball that was falling into a receiver's lap. That defense is not bad. They just lost out to a better quarterback. Had the Bills won, you can't look at the Chiefs defense and say they necessarily did a bad job. They got them in bad positions multiple times. It was fourth and 13 when Josh Allen threw that touchdown pass. So that's something that we have to be mindful of. I was listening to Colin Cowherd earlier, and he was talking to David Carr. And they were talking about, hey, with all of the offense and how neither one of them could be stopped and whoever got the ball first, do there are there things that need to be changed with the way that rules are called? I was like, no, that was a special case. We literally had three other games where field goals were the final determining factor, two of which that did not have three touchdowns in the game by one team. In the Packers game, one team didn't score an offensive touchdown. There needs to be thought put into, that team is just better, and it's okay that they're just better offensively. It's not that the defense is doing such a bad job. I can agree with that. I can roll with that. So. The final game of, well, it wasn't the final game. It was the Saturday night game. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers versus Jimmy Garoppolo, who nobody really cares about, and the 49ers on the snowy tundra of Lambeau Field. And the final score was 13-10. to It was a great defensive game. San Francisco was... All over Aaron Rodgers, they did an amazing job of getting to him. Jimmy G was was Jimmy G, which I will say, all that man does is win. It is the wildest thing because he has actually gotten worse over the course of the past five years and he still just wins. And it works. They have built something around him that functions and works. Special teams, defense, everything came together for the 49ers, and they came away with the win, and they handed Aaron Rodgers another playoff loss, and so Aaron Rodgers, at this point, after everything that has happened over the course of the past year, entered this game as the odds-on favorite for MVP, having another 13-win season, the third in a row. They've won 39 games over the course of the last three years and only lost 10. He's played phenomenal the past two years. He won MVP last year, and it came to another playoff win, and the 49ers beat them again. I will say that I do feel like somebody pointed out that Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, but the 49ers own Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. And if we're being completely honest, there were people who were like, oh, yeah, there's no way the Packers can lose this game. There's no way the Packers can lose this game. I forgot the circumstances of the first win they had against San Francisco on week three. And when I went back and looked at it again, I was like, wait a minute. Why are y'all talking like this game didn't come down to the wire? And if not for, you know, 37 seconds being left on the clock, when we found out later that weekend that 13 seconds left on the clock is enough, Aaron Rodgers was able to make it happen. So... The 49ers are a team that knew how to play against Aaron Rodgers. And they did what they do effectively. And Aaron Rodgers came out of this game with 10 points. So it's just, it's another bad ending for him. And especially considering, like I said, all the rigmarole, the COVID, the not coming back on time and everything that happened with him this year. It was a very sad and kind of demeaning loss. To end his season. So, what were your thoughts on that game and Aaron Rodgers, Willie? That game showed the will to win.
1: They got the, the, the 49ers just have the will to win by any means necessary. Yes, they got to drag that quarterback with them. They literally have dragged him the past two playoff games. He tried to give the game away back to Dallas, he tried to give it back to Green Bay. He's just not good. And, the playoffs, but like you said, all he does is get dubs. The reason why he gets dubs because it's important to build a football team, support, and they have a good team. Yes, the corners are not that good at all. I was very disappointed in the Packers play calling. When you have Aaron Rodgers, you can put the ball in the air a couple more times than what you did. But when you do it, you can't go it. You can't go to once. I said again. Five-man protection. Not against the 49ers front. You can't do it. It don't work. They're too ferocious. They're too fast. They're too physical. I didn't think on paper this game would really be close because the Packers got some key defensive players back, including that man Jair Alexander, who Tom Brady almost gave the game. Well, he tried to give the game away to last year. It didn't seem like a good matchup. But, yes, like many of us did, forgot how the first matchup went. And the Packers did win that game, but barely. But I saw the wheel to win out of depot, limping off the field multiple times. You saw the wheel to win from Kittle limping off the field. In fact, a couple times himself, too. You pulling all the tricks out the bag. You pulled, you had Trent Williams pulling. I've never seen Trent Williams pull anything. Granted, he's going to the Hall of Fame without any discussion about that. There should be no discussion about that whatsoever. But I saw a wheel to win, and I saw another team that was trying not to lose. Well, if we just hold on to the ball, if we just – defense just hold them off, I didn't see aggressive Aaron Rodgers. I didn't see launch it down the field Rodgers. I saw I'm trying not to lose. I'm trying not to throw an interception. That's what I saw. And that's a shame because to me, in my opinion, this, he actually had a defense for once. And normally for years, we say Aaron Rodgers' defense, let him down. Looking at you, Kevin King. Um, and he finally had a defense. Finally, a real good defense. Physical. They played sound football. Kept the 49ers out the end zone offensively, like you said, offensively. Which ain't sound like that hard to do when you're playing against Jimmy G. But still, kept Jimmy G out the end zone. But Aaron Rodgers wasted it. And I think now the luster's gone, man. The luster's gone. The, the oh, if Aaron Rodgers had a defense, oh. That this not happened. Oh, like the Atlanta game. He ran, a, ran to a buzzsaw. Okay, we'll let that go. It's been too many Oh, The game, Russ Wilson threw four interceptions. You still found a way to lose that game. Russ threw four interceptions in the first half, and you still found a way to lose. Tom Brady literally tried to give the game away. Still lost. Jimmy G tried to give the game away. You lost. The shine is gone. To, like like you said, his legacy is it is what it is. He'll still be top five all time. Um, if you ask probably some older people, they'll probably knock him down, no lower than ten. But the the shine is gone. He's gonna get this MVP, and nobody's gonna care. Nobody's gonna care, not in the slightest.
0: Nobody's gonna care. What I will say is, Aaron Rodgers' legacy is effectively set. He is arguably a top five quarterback of all time. There may come a point where Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes push him out of that range. But at this point, there's a lot of talk of, oh, well, he only has one Super Bowl. He only has one Super Bowl. He needs another one. And I've asked Willie this, and I've said it to multiple people. What does another Super Bowl do for Aaron Rodgers? Does it put him above Joe Montana? No. He's nowhere near Tom Brady. I feel like most people at this point would say he's above Terry Bradshaw. He's above Troy Aikman. He's above Ben Roethlisberger. He's above Eli Manning. All of those people have multiple Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers is already considered above those guys. The only one who I honestly feel like he's neck and neck with and will be put over him based on two Super Bowls is Peyton and Peyton has two, and we all look at that second one real, real suspect. You got to call it what it is, man. He, yeah,
1: he's closer to Peyton than he is to Brady, and we didn't realize that because all the amazing throws he's made, things of that nature. But like you said, I, I'm, I'm going to give him slight edge over Peyton, even though neither one of them can play in the code to save their life. And it's, like you said, the second one Peyton got looks really suspect. And the first one, you had to beat Rex Grossman. That's all you had to do was beat Rex Grossman. Yeah. It's not like you beat an MVP winner, you know, like Matt Ryan, even though some might say he's the worst MVP winner of all time, or in the modern era, but at least Brady beat an MVP.
0: You, you play Rex Grossman. And so the other ones that have multiple Super Bowls are John Elway, Jim Plunkett, Bob Greasy, Roger Staubach, Parstar. If anybody wants to put Plunkett, Greasy, or Star above, and Rodgers, I'm not going to argue that. I don't have the context to know as much. I feel like I've heard enough people say that he's up there to not negate that. Um, I'm putting him over Elway. We've reached a point where it would look good. It would be real, real nice. But it doesn't It doesn't change his legacy at all. It doesn't improve his legacy. As much as people want to say that, oh, winning another Super Bowl will do so much for Aaron Rodgers. No, it don't. No, it doesn't. It, It does nothing but continue the fact that he's a really good quarterback. He has multiple Super Bowls. If Peyton had not won another one, it wasn't going to change the fact that he was Peyton Manning and we all loved him and he was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Aaron Rodgers will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. At the end of the day, and it just dawned on me, when they did the top 100 and they listed 20 quarterbacks that were available to be a part of the top 100, Aaron Rodgers was one of the 20 finalists. That is all you need to know to say, hey, his legacy is set. He might have made the um, 100 had he gotten another Super Bowl, but I doubt it realistically. Aaron Rodgers' legacy is set. He can ride off into the sunset tomorrow, and it'll look bad because people will feel like he didn't have enough, but it won't change the fact that he is arguably a top... T- if nothing else, the NFL considers him a top 20 quarterback of all time, and there are plenty of people who would argue that he's top five. I have no problem with that. That's facts. This week on Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers was talking about his future and said that he plans to make his decision pretty readily. Um, He doesn't want to affect the franchise tag possibility of Devontae Adams, and so he should make his decision close to that time so that the team and other people can make decisions. He's not going to drag this thing out. So, Willie, my question for you is, what do you think should happen next for Aaron
1: Rodgers. He should go away. If I had Aaron Rodgers in front of my face, man to man, I would ask him where you think you're going to go. That's going to give you a better opportunity than what you just had. You're going to say Denver? Okay, you don't play well in the cold. That's been proven. You don't. And You're going to go against Mahomes and Herbert twice a year? Okay, fine. What, you're going to go to... Pittsburgh, oh, you don't play well in the cold. Probably the best coach available, probably, that needs a quarterback. But you don't play well in the cold. So, what are you going there for? You going to say Tennessee? I mean, I even saw that brought up on one of those morning shows. Um, That means a trade will have to happen and money's got to be moved I. I mean, of course, I think the Titans will pull the trigger in a heartbeat to get Aaron Rodgers. Don't get me wrong. It's just there's some finances that's probably going to have to be worked out. Uh, so I don't, and some people even threw out the Saints, which we found out the Saints are in Cap Purgatory. So it's that. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I mean, really, where do you think you're finna go that's better? What, you're gonna go try to go to San Francisco or something and try to go home? That why would they? I mean, they would add you because you're better than Jimmy G, but you go into the team that kicked your butt four times in the playoffs? Ooh, that's Kevin Duranish. Uh, wouldn't do that. Especially how sensitive you are considering you're spreading lies about how people judge you because of your vaccination status. No, nobody cared that you were unvaccinated. It was the fact you were unvaccinated and broke rules and then tried to play the victim card. That's what we are upset about. The fact that you also lied on national television, you lied and didn't think anything was really wrong with it. It shows your kind of other privileges you may not know about. It's best for him to go away, go away. I like him. As you know, AP, he's one of my favorite players. You know know that. But from a football perspective,
0: where Where are you you going to go? go? I want to disagree with you. I really, really do. I don't. There's nothing that can be proven, can be changed. You could run it back with the Packers again, but there's no belief that y'all are going to get it done next year. Y'all going to win 13 games, you're going to be the number one seed, and you're going to lose before making it to the Super Bowl. And let's magically say you win the Super Bowl. Nobody's really going to care. It's going to be like, yay, he did it finally, and that'll be it. There's no no real oomph to a Super Bowl win, in my opinion. It might do it for him. And if that's what will do it for you, by all means, go for it. But realistically, there's nothing left for him to do. There's no team that he can go to that's going to put him in a better position than he is in Green Bay. I think that the best possible position would probably be the Steelers, but that's that just doesn't feel right. And it, you're not going to have the success that you want, and you still have to go through Mahomes, Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, like all of them are still there. And I would say that going to the 49ers is worse than what Kevin Durant did. Because Kevin Durant lost 3-1 and you know, then he was like, you know what? I'm unhappy here. I can't have success here. They do what I want to do well. I can thrive in this system and I'm still young enough to make this happen, I'm gonna go for it. And you've been having problems with the 49ers for years. This is the team that you said you were going to make pay for not drafting you. You are going to lose a lot of respect from fans if you go to the 49ers. And you kind of seem like you want to be the good guy, even though you're generally the heel so that ain't really going to work for you. So realistically, there's no real place he can go. It might be time to just wrap it up and head on home. Go, go do all the other fun stuff that you want to do. Aaron Rodgers, go be Snoop Dogg. Just go live your life and live, live your best life and have fun. We shall see. And hopefully by early March, we will have some answers we will see what happens next with the Aaron Rodgers soccer. So final segment of this week is the all purpose NFL podcast awards for this year. These are the regular season awards that we're handing out. And so we're going to start with the coach of the year and our coach of the year goes to, Tennessee Titans coach Mike Rabel, who Willie said it earlier he was able to mask um, Ryan Tannehill, but they did an amazing job of winning the games that mattered and having an overall really good year. Defensive rookie of the
1: year. This uh, young man fell in the draft. Actually, he was, um, it was not our original pick. Our original pick was going to be Pat Surtain. I think will be a Hall of Famer down the road in his own right. But the defensive Rookie of the Year for your underachieving Dallas Cowboys is Micah
0: Parsons. Very nice. I like how you threw the shade at and and your Cowboys. Um, our offensive Player of the Year will be none other than Jamar Chase, who again we mentioned him earlier. Um, had an amazing year. We both thought he would be very, very good. We did not see this happening. This young man came in, took the league by storm. In a year that had five quarterbacks drafted in the top 15 picks, this wide receiver stepped up and showed out to show exactly that he is here and he will be a force to be reckoned with for many years to come. Our Defensive Player of the Year is none other than one of my favorite players on my favorite team, number 90, Mr. TJ Watts, with a record-tying 21 and a half sets. I can honestly say when we drafted him, I was excited because I was like, we got a watch. I didn't know what to expect. But I was just excited because J.J. is one of my favorite players of all time. At no point did I honestly believe that we would get to a point where T.J. Watt not only tied the record for sacks, but tied it in less time in what was an extended season. T.J. only played 12 games and got the full 21 and a half sacks. So I am very happy to announce that T.J. Watt is our Defensive Player of the Year.
1: Offensive Player of the Year. I'll be honest with you, I, I had somebody else picked initially, but then they fell off. But this young man, out of Eastern Washington University, Mr. Cooper Cup, won the Triple Crown for the Los Angeles Rams. Well done, Mr. Cup.
0: Well done. And our MVP for this season, despite what we just said about him, is mr aaron Rodgers, he had a phenomenal season he only threw four interceptions he continues to shine and be who he is during the regular season and this is a regular season award and so we are very happy to hand out these awards and that is all the time we have for this week thank you for listening to the all-purpose nfl podcast we are your hosts A.P. and Trey Wheeler. Have a good one and thank you for listening.